Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we dive into the future of women's sports in our country and the financial viability of it with Allison Sandmeyer Graves, the CEO of Canadian Women in Sport, and also Alex Lamoge of the Manitoba Moose will stop by to preview their postseason journey, which finally begins on Friday. That's all coming up on the podcast. The Canadian Women and Sport Organization has released new research this week. Outlining the growing investment opportunity for the professional women's sports market in Canada. According to the report called It's Time Accelerating Professional Women's Sport in Canada, the Canadian women's market of today is dramatically underserved and underdeveloped. So here to talk about this and the future of women's sports in our country is Alison Sandmeyer Graves. She's the CEO of Canadian Women in Sport. And Alison, let's start tonight with why you wanted as an organization to dive into this topic. Yeah, so at our organization, we've been the lead voice and authority for women's sports and advancing equity and inclusion for women in sport here in Canada for more than 40 years. And there's a really strong social case that I think so many of us are familiar with, uh, you know, about the health benefits and the leadership development and confidence development that girls and women get from participating in sports. And that's helping to drive a lot of progress in what you might call amateur sports. So what's happening in our communities, even all the way up to high performance to the Olympics and the Paralympics. But a big part that's been missing from that conversation is really professional sport here in Canada. It remains a significant gap. There is some professional sport, but it's far from a thriving you know, pro sports market for women in this country. And we want to change that. Um, but that requires a business case. And so with BCG and Canadian Tire, we dug into the research and gathered a lot of perspective to say, okay, what is the opportunity for investors here in Canada? And what do they do with that? And so uh, we're really excited to, to find and to share, share now that there is actually a really great investment opportunity and we're encouraging people to dig into it and to to invest so we know whenever we watch canada play the u.s at the world hockey championships or at the olympics a lot of people care about that or canada's women's soccer team at the olympics or at the world cup but those are you know one-time only events it's not pro it's you're playing for your country we we often forget, okay, well, there's, there's, you know, 11 and a half other months of the year that they want to do what they love doing too and try to pursue that dream. With the women's hockey, there's the PWHPA and the PHF for women's soccer, the NWSL in the States, but not really much in Canada, right? Yeah, it, it's a big gap. And I think that there's a few stories there. One is which Canada has world-class talent, absolutely world-class and we we prove that on the international stage time and time again many of those athletes do play pro but they're playing in europe in russia in australia in the u.s and so they're really leaving the country um and and we're missing that you know canadian development opportunity here I think another piece of that is that Canadians love women's sport. Uh, some early research on fandom in Canada shows that around 20 million Canadians, about so 65% of adults, have some engagement already with women's professional sport in this country. Uh, fans are diverse and they're young, fans of women's sports, and they're demanding more. Uh, but that means beyond one-off events, having more teams and leagues consistently in Canada that fans can really rally around. So how 
do we make those next steps? And when you talk about business cases, how much money is needed to make a viable pro sports community for women happen in our country? Well, a key takeaway from the report is that it's really going to require an ecosystem, if you will, of investors. So by that, we mean it's going to take media, brands, sponsors, uh, owners, governments and others to really come together around around this and to bring all of their uh, unique perspective and unique assets to the table to make this work. Uh, one of them on their own, you know, can't stand this up. <laughs> so it really is going to work best with all of these different groups playing their part in the equation. And the research always also shows uh, that there's some important uh, recommendations or strategies to use in how to make women's sport, a professional sport, really successful in this country. Definitely being an intentional investor is key among that is, you know, putting your money and keeping it in there. This is not a game that's going to give you quick returns necessarily, but if you're willing to buy in and leave it there, uh, you're very likely to see some growth. And so that is, uh, I would say, one of the, the great things about women's sport as well is that the entry point for investors is really reasonable relative to what you might find if you were going to try to uh, invest in in a men's team at this point. So there's some great and really unique opportunities in the women's space at this point. Do you think, uh, hockey specifically, the NHL needs to be part of something to make it happen in Canada? Oh, that's like a million-dollar question at this point, and I think one that everybody is uh, trying to know what the answer is to. We're not necessarily recommending any particular model. I think it may vary by sport. I think there are certainly advantages to uh, to partnering around, um, you know, with existing entities to create those efficiencies when it comes to all the, the back end and the supports of a new team or league. But it's not the only way forward. And I think that that is uh, one of the things that the teams and leagues are trying to figure out right now is what's going to be the best thing for them moving forward. Because one thing I always look at is the WNBA and how it started out being, you know, the NBA took it on and and helped make that happen. And now it's a a thriving league 25 years later. And it is a U.S. only league. I understand that. And, you know, it's different in the U.S. There's way more people in the United States than there are in Canada. But it it strikes me that something like that could work here. That's for, for hockey, for soccer. It's obviously different because... The, a professional men's league just started a few years ago. So we're kind of in the infancy of that. Do these leagues have to be in big cities or can they thrive in smaller markets too, do you think? Oh, again, definitely a question for uh, for the folks really working on the teams and leagues themselves. I think as, uh, as people do point out, Canada is a much smaller market than the U.S. Uh, we, we're sort of scattered really coast to coast. Um, I think what's going to be important and what the research shows is that uh, for fans to be able to connect and to really, um, to, to, you know, invest themselves in these teams as fans, you know, buying tickets, uh, engaging on social, buying the merch, uh, all of those different sorts of things, it's going to require a really well-developed fan engagement strategy. So absolutely, you need to be in a place where you can consistently draw crowds into your venue in to watch those games live. 
but having all these wraparound things that that fans can participate in. And I would say uh, the digital, the growth of digital opportunities in sport has been one of the most exciting things for that. And women's sport starting up at this point is really well positioned to capitalize on those from the outset. From a basic standpoint, just how important is it to just talk about this in helping make it a reality? Oh, great question. You know, I think that uh, not having women's professional sport is normal right now in Canada. And so uh, people don't necessarily notice, for instance, that you know, about 96% of sports media is exclusively focused on men's sport. It's just women's sport is really invisible in this country, and that's really a normal state. Um, so I think it's it's really important to talk about it, to to acknowledge that that's a gap, to acknowledge that we're seeing record-breaking audiences and valuations and all sorts of things around the world, but not here in Canada, a sport-loving country. So it's a real missed opportunity for us, uh, but it's also an opportunity to change the narrative and to confront some of the biases that have prevented us from seeing women's professional sport as a great investment in the past. Because we've seen even when it comes to curling, something that does have more of an infrastructure for women in Canada, people watch it in droves, if not more than than the men's curling at at many times. And and for someone like Bianca Andreescu in an individual sport, winning the U.S. Open, the numbers for that were incredible on TV. So I I feel like just media exposure is, is such a huge part of this, right? Oh, absolutely. It's really hard to be a fan of something that you can't even see. <laughs> and so uh, media exposure is really key. They are key par- media partners are a key part of the equation. Uh, the quality of the production of those sorts of things really matters. And I know that's definitely part of the conversation, too. But I think, uh, you know, that old, you know, well, nobody's going to watch that <laughs> sort of assumption about women's sports. It's just not true anymore, and every week we're seeing more evidence of that. Right, and there's there's almost, you know, you mentioned with digital, there's more ways to consume things than ever before, but at the at the core, the best way to get your product seen is, is on linear television, and if it's TSN, if it's Sportsnet, that, that kind of signs on to something like this, that can really make an impact in creating a viable future for women's sports, right? Absolutely. And I think what that that early fan research is showing us is that, again, the fans of women's uh, professional sport, they're young and they're diverse. That is a really attractive audience for media companies, for brands, for a variety of folks. So uh, we're excited to do some more research there to understand that further. But for uh, for companies that maybe are finding it harder and harder to get returns from the men's side, you know, and, the, and it's really expensive to buy in there, women's professional sport is offering, you know, a really nice compliment. It doesn't have to be an either-or situation, but a really nice compliment to existing investments that can help reach different audiences who are looking for a different kind of experience and a different kind of product. PWHPA says it's got a league coming. Women's soccer says it's got a league in the works too. Uh, but I, I mean, there are other sports here like basketball. What else did you look into as part of this study? Well, we didn't focus in on any particular sport. And I think the the goal there was, uh, was to look at this really broadly and to provide uh, sports and investors of all stripes with some really solid food for thought 
to talk broadly about what is the opportunity to look like here in Canada. We are committed, though, to working with sports and working with folks who are interested to learn more, to really dig into this from their particular need or their particular perspective and to think, how does this apply to my context? What are the opportunities here? Um, but for sure, I mean, this is this is the start and we're going to keep going to make sure that folks have more insight that they need to uh, to be confident in stepping up and investing in women's sport. Now, I know you just released the, the report yesterday, but have you received any feedback on it yet? Well, we had a launch event in Toronto with uh, a lot of... Uh, the uh, a lot of senior leaders from all of these different uh, groups and it was fantastic really i have to say that that folks showed up really with an intent to to learn and to understand and to uh, have conversation about it and so i think that's key is just let's get the conversation started for sure there are people competing and they're going to want to you know keep their cards pretty close to their chest on those things but uh, everybody's hungry for research and insight that can help them make the best decision possible. So, um, and they're they're paying attention. They're paying attention to what's happening around the world, and uh, there seems to be something here that's really worth digging into. So, we're very encouraged by that initial response, and we're just getting started. So, I'll get you out of here on this. Then, your your word to describe the future of women's sports in this country would be what? Well, I'll make it two words. It's time. Okay, there we go. Allison, appreciate your time. Thanks, and uh, let's hope we don't have to have this conversation again. We can talk about all the, the pro leagues we've got. <laughs> that would be a fantastic outcome. Now, the Manitoba Moose begin their postseason journey Friday at home against Milwaukee, a rematch of last year's best-of-five series that the Admirals clinched in Game 5 here at Canada Life Centre. Alex Limoges was not part of that series. Spent the first two seasons of his AHL career with the San Diego Gulls, but this past season led the Moose in scoring with 54 points in 63 games, scored 20 times and added 34 helpers. I caught up with the 25-year-old center earlier today and started by asking him how tired he is of waiting around for the playoffs to start. They finished the regular season April 16th. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It's been way too long, but I'm, I'm getting antsy here, ready to play some hockey. So what have you guys been up to? Uh, you know, we've been um, half practicing and half off days here. So it, it's been nice to kind of get that recovery and um, fine tune our, you know, the healing process and uh, and also the scouting process. So um, so it's been good, uh, you know, a mix of rest and and practice. So you were not part of the series last year between these two teams, but how much discussion and film has there been regarding what happened in the playoffs last year against Milwaukee? Uh, not too much film, but definitely a lot of discussing with the guys in the locker room. Um, you know, they felt uh, uh, they they all have some opinions on how it went down last year. And, um, you know, for me, I, just listening to that and, and it seems like everybody's really hungry at the at another opportunity at them. So um I think guys are, are going in it with uh you know, a sense of revenge. What would you say is the kind of the X factor in this series having played them a number of times in the regular season? Uh that's a good question. Um I think 
just knowing that that we have had success against them. Um, you know, you look at their roster, and there's a lot of guys that played in the NHL this year, and um, a lot of high-end players. But knowing that we can we can compete with them, and and we've come out on top earlier this year, so um, it's, we're not looking to get psyched out or, or anything like that. We're just focusing on ourselves and um, and what we can do to win each game. Do you like the two-three format? Because as the lower seed now, you have a chance to set the tone in the first two games. Yeah, actually, I um, I I do like it. I've never played it before, but um, being a lower seed, it's cool that we get two games at home. And if we take advantage and we um, we take these two, then we only need to win one out of the next three. So um, it's a cool. I I think it's an advantage for us for sure. So if you were the higher seed, like the Moose were last year when these two played, Milwaukee won the first two games on the road, or in Milwaukee, they come here, Manitoba wins two games at home, and then Milwaukee wins game five. Would you rather be uh, having three games at home first and then two on the road? Like, What do you think is the optimal format here if you were the higher seed? Yeah. Um, yeah, if I was the higher seed, I'd probably say three games at home and then the next two on the road. Um, but yeah, yeah, luckily it's not like that this year. No, <laughs> no, you got the, the home game starting on Friday. You haven't played since, since April 16th here. So do you feel your body has uh, recovered it? And at what point is it like too long of a break? You, you need game action more than just practice. Yeah. Yeah. You said it. Um, that's, uh, I feel like we hit that point this past weekend with, uh, when the Jets started here. Um, so uh, we did a little scrimmage in practice this week, and um, and it went well, and it's good to, to get those legs back. But, um, yeah, games are much different than practice in, in uh, conditioning-wise, and it's kind of hard to, to simulate that. But, um, yeah, we're ready. We're ready. It's been long enough. Now, how closely is the team watching and rooting for the Winnipeg Jets? Um, I think it goes from guy to guy. Uh, but uh, as a whole, I'd say we're, um, you know, we're wishing them the best. We, we know a lot of guys on there and I, I feel like this organization is pretty close in that sense. Um, so it's, uh, it's fun to see them do well. And obviously for the city, it's, it's a really cool experience um, with the whiteouts and just having a team that's making a run in the playoffs. So uh, it's tough to see how those games worked out here and um, some of the injuries that, uh, that they're going through right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan, so it's, it's fun to, to have watched them this season and and learn and, um, and see what it's like at the next level. But uh, yeah. Hoping, hoping they can win here in Vegas and, and bring Game 6 back here. Now, I had you on the show earlier in the year. I'm curious, now that you've got a full season under your belt, what's the biggest difference between playing hockey in Winnipeg and playing hockey in San Diego? <laughs> um, 
honestly, probably this time right now, the two weeks without games, um, you know, it's still, it's not warm enough to go out and golf yet here, but, uh, um, you know, in San Diego, there's, uh, golf all year round. So, uh, I don't know, it's stuff like that, like in the downtime, um, a little more comfortable to explore outside, I'd say in San Diego, but. You know what? Here we've um, we've been hanging out together a lot and and finding ways to to pass the time. So uh, we got a really close group, and I'd say it's even though it's still cold for my standards, I'd say it's uh, the time's been going by pretty fast. Who would you say is the MVP of the Manitoba Moose for this season? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Uh, I think I think there could be a couple guys that that fit into there, but um, you know I've I've really enjoyed watching Jansen Harkins play um, this season. You know he uh, he's never slowed down. He's always um, he's always been a competitor that that we can count on every game. So um, and you know big opportunities he's there and um, and he produces. So it's. Uh, when when we need him, he comes up big, and and it's been a lot of fun um, having him on the team this year. So I'd I'd say he'd be my MVP. Now I know you're not in the coaching office, but uh, I know that Arvid Holm and Oscari Salmanen are on the trip to Vegas. That's a game on Thursday. You guys play Friday. Do you know if they're they're coming back in time for your game? Oh, I got no idea. Okay. Um, you know, we we think about it and try to speculate. It's like, okay, um, breaking down the times of their charter flight back and um, if they'd be ready to play that quickly with the turnaround. But, um, no, yeah, that's just causing more headaches than, than doing any good. So I'm um, leaving that to the coaches, and, and uh, <laughs> I guess we'll find out on Friday. All right, we'll pay attention to that. Alex, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this, and best of luck in the playoffs. I appreciate it. Thanks, Christian. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you of the deal. You may not share our intellect, which might explain the mystery.